Monty. Now you know it's recording. Oh, that was it warned me. Oh, Pat, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay. You hear me? Yeah, there you go. That's a little bit better. All right. It helps if I keep the mic by my noisemaker. Yeah, dude, you got to put that in your mouth. <laughs> I don't. I don't like that. <laughs> why not? <laughs> I don't want oh, to. It'll be why, difficult. Why would you make the kissy face emoji if that's what that's what you don't like? Oh, it's so. Why does it go away so fast? I want that kissy face up there the whole time. Oh, it is gonna go away. It's just gonna go away right away. These reactions uh, are too real. Just like emotions, they go quickly. <laughs> they do, especially uh, as, especially if you are in tune with your emotions, you can feel them change. Um, welcome to EDK Earl Does Karaoke. Yay, it's episode four. And with me today are two of my very oldest and best friends. Uh, do you guys want me to use your last name? That's up to you. I can uh, just go by my first name. Yeah, I'll be Pat. Okay, I'll there's Pat. There's Ken. How are, how are both of you doing today? I'm good. <laughs> pretty good. Don't wait good to day. jump in. Just jump right in. You don't we're have to both wait. very courteous folk, you know. You are, but I don't want you to be. So let's let's just go ahead and drop that for now. Oh yeah, let's let's get the wrestling on. <laughs> oh, uh, we used to do that in eighth grade. We did, yes. Yeah, I wrestled one different... time. It meant so much to me. I wrestled one time with a broken foot in your mom's living room. Oh, gee. did you? You had a broken foot. I did. Yeah. Did, did <laughs> Lars break your foot? No, I, I I broke my foot during lunch playing like basketball. Ooh. You know how we had that free time after lunch? Mm-hmm. So I went in and played basketball, jumped up, you know, super high because I was so athletic back then. Sure. And then I landed on someone's foot with my <laughs> ankle sideways and it <laughs> fractured it. And I didn't oh, know no. it, but I didn't do anything. Um, and then we walked to your mom's house. <laughs> I walked on that foot. Went, okay, right. That's what you want to do. And we, yep. and we wrestled um, because that's also what we did. Uh, yeah, we did tag team wrestling and... Uh, I would tag out very fast because it kept hurting a lot. And then Lars did put me in a foothold. It was like he a put you in a figure four. Yep. Because yep. uh, that was his signature move. That That's was what he liked to move. do. He loved Ric Flair. He did the woo. I think he did the woos and everything. I, remember. <laughs> I mean, he he looked kind of like Ric Flair, so it, it worked. Uh, and yeah, I I had to tap out, which I think was the first time I had ever done that. Uh, which we should have done more. We we <laughs> we we wrestled real uh-huh. uh not like uh yeah not yep. not realizing that that we could it was more drama than uh-huh. the physical part of it and i'm surprised we didn't have more injuries but yeah tur- turned out it was a broken foot back in the so that would be like 97 98 i think so back in that era um for those of you who i mean are kind of guessing our ages at this point you probably know mine we're all around the same age 38 30 38 37 we all grew up in uh small town in western michigan called whitehall and back then for those of you who weren't alive then um wrestling was still kind of at a point where i think generally speaking we weren't entirely sure if we would call it real or not does does that sound accurate yeah it was it was kind of controversial that, right. that's how i remember it like it, people had a lot of hot takes on it but we all accepted that it was it was tough it was something that we cheered on and i think we wanted to believe it yeah i i think there was some elements of like scripting that we all thought were there with wrestling but for the most part i I think we were all like hey no this is mostly real this is the way 
Right. Well, I mean, w- once you look back at, if you look back at like old wrestling clips, like I do sometimes, because I'll watch like WrestleManias and stuff from like the '90s, which are awesome, especially if Stone Cold's in it, because that was my favorite wrestler. Um, if uh, if you're watching that, you realize that you know obviously there are people like they would stand there waiting for a move to be done on them, right? So like someone would get slapped and then they'd get all like googly, like they'd be like, oh, and then Stone Cold would put the it would put the stunner on them real quick, and it's like that's not really how that would work in real life. Um, but yeah, we did a lot of crazy stuff when we were in when we were in those uh, those years, and I think. I think Pat actually, as, as me and you ended up playing soccer, we did kind of the same thing where it was like, we're not going to tap out. Like we're going to, we're going to tax our body and play to the limit. And and I know that was our mantra, especially we played, we were both on defense. Oh yes. We, we were the brick walls that would not let them get to our goal. <laughs> they, they did score every once in a while, but we made them, we made them hurt if they went too close to our goalie. They, um, they, they mostly scored when our goalie was, was too uh, blazed out of his mind. That did happen quite a bit, actually. And there were many, actually, there were a few players on the team, uh, on Whitehall's team, that were almost always high during games, pretty much. Yes. Um, I remember specifically there was a game that we played against Hart in, uh, it might have been our senior year where Gilland was goalie. And he was so high, he caught a ball that was way up in the air, and he threw that ball into the back of the net own goal. He just threw it. I remember that. He threw the ball in the goal. He was the goalie, dude. (laughs) That is is such a Gillen move, though. It was, dude. He he was a great goalie. He was great. (laughs) He was. He was a very good Goalie. very good very that very athletic that for his size point. no it was not um and we were like adam are you all right and he's like eh, eh, eh. you know just like move on <laughs> i wonder if i wonder if mayhan ever thought that his players were high while playing the game I, he had to have known right there's no way he didn't there's that's i was a very naive kid and i knew <laughs> well yeah dude, when when your eyes are completely bloodshot and you just start like spouting gibberish it's not hard to guess um, like like the ball would hit his heavy his heavy goalie shirt and smoke would puff out like that's a, a good giveaway <laughs> <laughs> oh man well um i kind of want to talk about you know and and we can we can talk about stories all day long of course because we have many um but i kind of want to talk about a little bit of our backgrounds when it comes to like uh where we come from um and and i know we all grew up in the same area but um as you know everybody has a different kind of journey to get where you are and uh let's just start with you ken because you were kind of unfortunately left out of that soccer conversation tell me a little bit about your uh, about your growing up and like some of the things that you remember that were important to you that made you who you are like from we little lad. Oh, dude, you can start wherever, dude. You can start from your earliest memory, or you can start from the first time you, had, you know, uh, well, masturbated. I mean, well, I don't, I don't know if I'll, I'll go that, that in depth of. <laughs> you that don't feels a little. That feels a little like uh, super overshare. I'm just telling you the gamut, Ken. All right, you can start wherever you want. I mean, that's, um, that's a spicy podcast, and I feel like there's a, a, an obligatory subscription for that. I mean, we can have our own OnlyFans at some point. You know that. That's you know that's the goal. That's the goal. <laughs> the well, tell, tell me, tell me about tell me about your parents, Ken. Then. Um. So yeah. So I came from a pretty 
pretty average Midwestern family, right? Um, mom, dad married, still married to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an older sister. Um, some of my early memories, let's see. Um, I don't know if they shaped me to who I am, <laughs> but my Everything sister does, you know, that my sister pushed me down the stairs when I was like four or three. Really? And I, I vaguely remember that. Oh, so there's and, that. And we're talking about the stairs in your house. So like one story, basically just straight down. Yeah, it was, uh, it was the house we lived in in Lakewood before we moved the one that you guys probably knew of or remember. Okay. So, so I, didn't, I, don't know if, I don't know if I remember the old house at all, but I probably never saw it. Uh, you might not have ever saw it. Like, there's two memories. That, there's, like, two or three memories I remember from that house. And one was my sister pushing me down the stairs. <laughs> and the other one was her getting attacked by a goose. Oh. <laughs> um, and that's how I know that geese are mean. Hopefully one after the other. Uh, no, they were separate days. Um. <laughs> okay. They were not on the same, it was not on the same day, but she pushed me down the stairs and then uh, sometime later she got attacked by a goose. And she wasn't, she wasn't like hurt by the goose. It was just chasing her around, I would guess. Uh, I had that part. I don't remember too much. I know it like kind of attacked her. So I might've like pecked at her or something mm. or like nudged at her, but I don't recall her getting hurt, hurt. Well, I know you talk about being kind of from a like average Midwestern family, but you know, interestingly, I think one of the things that connected us relatively early on, especially as we got more into our middle school area, was that we both liked we were both into anime of different types. Yes. So and, and, and for for people that again didn't live in the '90s, that's not actually like a super common thing. Um, there was definitely a, a a section of people that got into anime back then. It wasn't it was nowhere near as big as it is right now, not even close. Yeah. So that was. I don't. I think that was kind of like um, an accident that I stumbled onto that too. Like I was eating breakfast one morning, um, and my mom was like getting stuff together and so I was like I'm just gonna take my bowl of cereal and I'm gonna sit and, and watch TV while you know my mom my mom's like getting ready to to get to work and get all this other stuff before I go to the bus right so mm-hmm. I was flipping around the channels and I don't, I don't remember what channel I think it was like ABC or something or it was one of the lower channels and all of a sudden Gigantor came on Gigantor was like, the first one Gigantor was the first one uh-huh. um and then some sometime later uh this was i think it was in elementary school or something and then sometime later um i i rented the movie my neighbor totoro which was pretty and then i was like yeah this is this is some cool stuff i think i'm i think this is my this is my jam right and and so if you would have rented my neighbor totoro it's probably even a little bit geared towards i mean totoro is geared towards younger children but it is a it is a seminal Miyazaki film and it's still good even if you're not a child yeah hey, Pat, have your have your kids watched any uh, Miyazaki films at all Is, have, have they gotten a little bit older I don't know if you were ever into Miyazaki I was not and, and they they haven't oh that's sad dude that makes me sad oh, oh, oh I'll, I'll try if it'll make you happy <laughs> dude Miyazaki films are the bomb dude and they have great messages which is something that I really like as well um but uh, okay, so you know, Ken, Ken, kind of the the standard Midwestern, you know, upbringing had a little bit of anime there. Obviously, Ken is a, a uh, exceptional human being. 
um, for those of you that know him. And hopefully we can do enough podcasts that you listeners that don't know him have an idea of that as well. Same for you, Pat. I don't want to leave you out of that conversation as well. Um, Pat, what about you? What about your uh, your kind of like upbringing? I know it was, a, again, we were all from the same area, but it's kind of like super different even among us. Yeah, well, I although I was kind of brought up in the same area, I, I started far away. Well, not that far away, but in, in another state, I started in New York mm-hmm. and, uh, and my parents divorced when I was pretty young. It was just me and my sister and my mom. And we moved over to Michigan without, without anything really. Um, my grandparents got us a trailer in Coopersville and that's when we settled into West Michigan. Um, I was literally being dropped off to preschool um, in front of my mom's college as she went to finish her nursing degree wow. um, at there at MCC. Um, That's crazy. So, but, yeah, my, my sister would usually be dropped off at her friend's house and wait for the bus there to go to elementary school. And I'd go with her to Muskegon, uh, go to the, the preschool. And she'd go to college. Um, she was working part time as well. And she was still in the Air Force. Uh, she was very busy. Wow. Um, and she started dating. <laughs> <laughs> and dating. And, uh, and she was dating who you guys know as my dad. Uh, <laughs> and uh, they remarried when I was about, uh, my mom remarried. They, they got married for the first time when I was about five. Um, and that's what brought me to Whitehall. He had a house, little house um, out in the country. Um, actually, I was, I was just thinking about a memory with Ken. Um, there was one time where we met up, uh, Ken, with you and your dad. Um, I don't know how, how old we were. Um, big enough to ride two-wheelers, that's all I, I know. Um, and we met up there at like Duck Lake and, and Nystrom. And I remember that feeling like, like a very busy intersection because for no joke, there was a street light. <laughs> there was a street light over that intersection. I was like, wow, we're, we're going to meet in the city. <laughs> like that, yeah. this is out in the out in the country um and uh yeah and and, and uh from there my my parents had um uh, two more kids my little brother and little sister and and from then on out we, we kind of grew up as an idyllic family um but i still had my dad in new york i still had family in new york i still had a lot of sentiment uh for that new york side of of my family and it was uh uh it was kind of a strange situation because I felt like my heart was in two places. Hmm. Um, I didn't get to see my dad that often, um, but I I loved him a lot. I had a lot of respect for him. Um, I I mean like like any kid uh, with their dad, especially I think uh, a young boy who's looking for a <laughs> a, a father figure. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really looked up to him and thought of him a lot. Um, so it was it was challenging not to be around. Um, and uh, uh, my my new dad, uh, I guess technically my stepdad, but I call him dad, um, was a builder. And because of that, we would live in houses that he built for about two years till he could sell them, and then we'd move. Um, and then while he built the next house, we'd stay uh, in a rental or we'd stay with, with my grandma. Um, and as a result of that, I probably lived in like 12 different homes growing up. Well, yeah, I remember I remember the, a few of them certainly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and 
some of them weren't even in Whitehall, right? <laughs> I'd, yeah. I'd be in, in Muskegon sometimes. One of the houses was, was across the lake in Montague. Um, some were in the country, some were in town, some were big, some were small. Uh, so just a lot of um, different, <laughs> I became very adaptable, I think, in that. Um, but it also, I think, really uh, um, kind of built in me this need for stability mm-hmm. uh, you know I with with my wife now we are on our third home together in uh, just over 10 years of marriage and Man, you guys have been married I'm for more than 10 years for, that's crazy isn't that crazy it'll be 11 years next month oh, uh, looking for what's going to be our our forever home like already we're, we're in our 30s and I'm like I want to move one more time <laughs> for the foreseeable future I, I, I want to be done with this. Because um, you, you live out of boxes. There are things when you're living in a place one, two years max at a time, you're not unpacking everything. You're moving a box from one house to another that was never opened. Truth. Um, yep. And and what's funny about me or, or just a trait about me is I leave a little bit of myself everywhere I go. I, I really try to connect. Um, I, I, I invest myself and... Um, it over time has made me more guarded because it does hurt when relationships end, when uh, like a temporal space ends, when I leave that place. Even when I go on vacation, I, I was out of town this, this past weekend. And when I left my hotel, I paused for a moment before I left this room <laughs> that I stayed in for <laughs> two or three nights. Uh, because that was because it, it, it was home to me for a couple of days. Exactly. And, just, I wanted to thank that space for letting me occupy it. I wanted to, to give it its due. And, um, Interesting. Um, lock in my memories and my experience there. Um, so when I drive around town, um, it's very annoying to my wife and kids, but I, I point out everywhere that I've had an experience <laughs> and everywhere I've lived because I feel like they're my horcruxes, right? I've left, left this part of myself all across town, like, here's what I did there. And, that's a piece of me. I want you to see it. It has value. You know, it's kind of interesting and it's, it's not, I think it's, it's similar, but not similar. When I worked for seven up, I used to go to different stores and uh, when I'm driving around to different stores at this point and seeing different places, I'm kind of like, I almost feel like I, I want to like point out to the kids, like I merchandise that store. And it's like, it's not really that like super important of information, but I, I remember those things, especially when I would be like in places like, you know, I work off the Plainfield Meyer or work at the Meyer off Henry or stuff like that. So it's, it's kind of similar in that respect. I, I think you are very, it, it's a very old school kind of thought process, which is like that you, that you kind of like want to, you want to connect with the places that you've lived. And I, I think that's, I, I'm, I might be wrong, but I think that's kind of unique, uh, at least based on what I know about other people. Can you do that too? Where you're like, I want to, I want to like remember these places and I want to honor these places for letting me stay here. Kind of like if you kill a deer and you like honor the deer, I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I, I, I do, but in a different way, Uh like, um, like I want to honor, I want to honor the, the memories that I've made and like, the, the the adventures and stories that I've had, but um, I mean I, I've lived in places where 
because like Pat, but in a different phase of my life, like a, as a younger adult, because I lived, um, I only moved once. It was really young. So, you know, pretty much my entire upbringing was in the house that my parents are still in. And I was always in the town we grew up in. I really didn't go much of anywhere. And then I had like, you know, I just, that's where I was. This was my bubble. And then when I finally left after graduating high school and I got out, I was like, man, there's, there's stuff out here. And life kind of took me in a weird Midwest direction. And I just kind of hopped around and I kept moving and moving and moving and moving. And it was like moving once or twice a year for, I don't know, probably close to five or six years, you know? So that's when you were down in, that's pretty much when you were down in Indiana, right? Yeah. And I, I hopped all over Indiana, all the way from the Northern end of Indiana, all the way to the Southern end and all the way back up. Um, Oh, just about in Kentucky and a couple spots and in Ohio. Um, so, I mean, it was, it was a lot of, a lot of moving and, like to Pat's point, you're just living out of boxes. But you know, in my in, in my late in my in my twenties, you know, I'm just like sitting there going, I don't, I don't keep doing this. <laughs> I'd like to like put some roots down and kind of get some stability. So, and then you rooted I mean, up, and then I rooted up. But like, but like a couple of the places I lived, I'm like, I did not like the place. I guess I didn't really harmonize with the place because it just didn't it didn't have that sense of community I was looking for. But but some of the people I shared it with, I had a I had a sense of community with those with those groups of people. Like some of them are coworkers, some of them were friends I met um, through friends of friends down in those areas and things like that. And it was just like those memories. It's not so much about the space, but the adventure, I guess. Sure. Well, we have very we have very distinct eras in our lives i think when we start looking back at them and it's i think it gets easier to do as you get older um you can start looking at these phases or eras or um these like windows in your in your life and you live through this window and and then the window might change very abruptly depending on something very major happening uh and and i'd say all of us at least I think I think I can say this with certainty. We all saw very long-term relationships in our lives. Um, we were always looking for like the one person that we were supposed to be with. And we were always looking for that. It, we were never very frivolous, I guess, with our time. Um, does that does that kind of make sense? I think that's probably a, an accurate assessment. Oh, for, for me, definitely. Oh. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I'm thinking that there's not been a girl I've had a crush on as long as I've had crushes, which is like, you know, six years old, um, <laughs> where, where my thought was, could this be the one? Is this the one? <laughs> is this the one? Is this going to be <laughs> the person that I marry? And, and and when you when you grow up in a town like that, uh, you, especially if you're like close with your extended family, you'll have people that are coming around going like, going like oh it'd be so sweet if you guys got together and got married and they're talking to you and you're like seven years old and, and you don't realize you don't realize that's that's probably not like a great thing to say because it puts some it puts like a weird pressure on you in a way um that, yeah that that meant something to me when i'd hear that i i felt like a okay destiny it's meant to be romantic let's do it and b <laughs> i'm gonna dis. Uh, disappoint somebody if I don't do it like those speak to two of my my biggest driving factors for anything so yeah I 
I, uh, I've, I've learned to, to resent those kind of uh, uh, those comments that are well intended, but, but force you to make big decisions. <laughs> it, Would you I, almost I mean, think that that's like a like a form of Midwest arranged marriage or arranged relationship? Kinda, yeah, in a way. Like it's, th- this happened to. I mean, this happened to one of our our previous friends too, Adam. Uh, can you remember this? He he was told by I think a couple people like, oh, th- you're gonna get married to this person, and it like threw him off. Like later on in life, as he became like uh, a teenager and he became a young adult, I remember him mentioning this on multiple occasions. Like, oh yeah, the, someone so- told me that we were gonna get married at some point, and I'm like well you're not together and you don't talk so what does that mean like what are you trying to say that's it's almost like a weird kind of thing that just gets stuck in your head if you're not thinking about it the right way exactly yeah that that, i mean the it's interesting because growing up for me i grew up in uh i was i initially was in a small house off of Alice that was right in the middle, right across from the playground off uh, near the elementary school there. Uh, The house no longer exists. It was a shack. It was tiny. Uh, The house that's there now is actually pretty big. Um, And we we eventually moved down the the street to the the house that my mom is living in now too. Um, And I grew up there until I was about 16, left her uh, went to my dad when he let, when he actually moved to Whitehall. And that was an entirely different experience, of course, because my mom and dad are almost polar opposites on different ends of the spectrum of many different things. Um, so, it, yeah, I mean, we all come from kind of a different background there. And we all we all have these like different windows that we've kind of gone through in life. Can I remember when you went down to Indiana and uh, and feeling kind of empty when you left? Unfortunately, I was kind of sad. I was always sad when you were in Indiana. Um, we still we still talked on a regular occasion, but not being able to see you, that was like the first time in my life that I hadn't been able to see you. And that like screwed me up a little bit, um, if I'm being honest. <laughs> it, it was it was a weird experience in that regard, because um, I had I had some friends. Um, but at the same time, like some of those friends got kind of lost in that culture down there. It was, it was, you talk about us small towns, some of the small town areas I was in down there was, was really bad. So like some of them, a couple of them went down a, a really dark path and uh, they got in trouble with um, drinking too much and stuff. So um, yeah. And, and so what I, I, you know, and I, I really missed you guys. So a lot of, a lot of the, what I did, which, you know, is we, we, uh, we got online. And that's that was our interaction, which is like when you bring up, like that was really sad for me too, because here I am in this apartment, and I'm I guess you could say it was like a like a, a really funny and not funny haha, but like kind of funny sad. Like mm-hmm. it was it was like a metaphor of my life because I'm sitting in this apartment and when I first got there I had no I had no furniture, no nothing. I gotten out of a rough relationship, a long-term relationship, and mm-hmm. I had like a TV a folding chair and like i think i got the media like the the tv stand out of the deal (laughs) and that was it and like my you know like my playstation and a dvd player and some other stuff like all my books and crap in a bed that was it that's all i had yeah it was tough man and and, empty apartment and i remember too with you pat like uh you you did you leave immediately following high school to to go to detroit to go to college i'm pretty sure you did right yeah yeah i lived on campus right away okay and and it was it was interesting because we we had a group 
I think of four or five people, maybe six, and it, it could it could expand and contract at different times. Um, you know, Danny was kind of part of that group. Uh, Phil was a part of that group. And like, I remember getting out of high school and I was, I, I went, I ended up going to MCC out of kind of like uh, a sense of duty because I thought that was what you were supposed to do. You got to go to college. Um, I was probably never really truly cut out for college. I ended up getting my associates eventually, but it was not, I, my, my, I felt like my brain was too like scrambled at that point. I was dealing with all sorts of different stuff and um, my dad was going down a really rough path with alcoholism. Uh, and he was, I don't know, it just kind of took me out of the, it took me out of the whole thing. I know that if I had done well at MCC, my dad would have probably footed the bill to go to CMU and I, I could have gotten a, a bachelor's if I applied myself. But if I'm honest with both of you guys, I never applied myself at school at all. The only thing that I cared about, it was extracurriculars. I cared about soccer, I cared about marching band, and I cared about choir. That was it. Um, actually doing work, eh, that wasn't my thing. <laughs> like, I, I sucked at it. At doing work? Or you, you mean going, going to class? Oh, dude, I could go to class. Um, I could go to class, no problem. But, like, actually doing the work that the class had, that you had to do, eh. Mm, I was terrible yeah. at homework. These projects are never fun, and I don't like group work. My physics lab partner almost electrocuted me, so I don't <laughs> like three times. Group work, yeah, it's it's a it's a nice concept. It just it rarely works out well. Uh, what you end up is uh, usually with some sort of a storm uh, where <laughs> somebody really uh, wants to do well, and they will stress everyone out and themselves uh, somebody else is going to get carried right and get a grade that they, they didn't earn um, other people are going to pepper in different dynamics there and it's just, just uh, the so I guess the most effective group work that I've seen is where um, you get a grade on the project but you also get a chance to review each other mm-hmm. so that grade can be dispersed <laughs> Right. Then you can, uh, you can a, a little destroy more someone if they didn't do anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if everyone else on the team says this person contributed nothing, they were ne- they never met with us, they didn't do their their portion, and we had to come together last minute. Yeah, I, uh, th- then I I think it's right that they don't get the the same grade that the rest of the team got. It makes sense. Uh, and and I and I tell that story about not being able to kind of get shit done, uh, you know, in in school, because. Once I was done with MCC and, and the groups that I was a part of, for the most part, dispersed. Um, and I was mostly left by myself in the Muskegon area, which was really, um, which was really a rough time. Uh, it took a while for uh, me and you, Pat, to kind of connect back together because, you know, life kind of just took us in different directions for a little while. Um, you know, Ken and I, we, we still kind of talked, but he eventually ended up down. He was in, uh, he was in Ferris and then he was down in Indiana and, and, and it's just that life accelerated so quickly. Uh, you know, we ended up with our own separate families, our own kids and kind of looking at life from a very different perspective we we switched windows while still talking to each other which was something that is good i think i think that's something that's important yeah and i, mean, I, I think it's, it's hard to do 
Yeah, I, I think that's usually the the cause for a lot of friends to just kind of drift apart. Is you know, you like you said, you switch that window, and it's like, how how do you relate to this person now again? Like how how like just anybody. I mean, even my own family members, you know, that kind of happens when you, when you travel about mm-hmm. or, you know, they stay and something happens to them and their perspective changes. So how, how do you, how do you relate to people again? And, and it's sometimes it's, it's depending on how your perspectives change. Like you have to, it's a lot of work to understand the other person now and, and find that, find that commonality or at least that understanding. Right. And in the, a really hard part, too, is a lot of times when you make friends uh, or you have like work friends or you have even just school friends that you've been going to school forever. Um, if you're not a certain type of friendship, what you talk about, because the windows change, you don't really have anything in common anymore. And that that is when it's like, OK, how do how do I, like you said, can kind of approach that? I, I've run into people that I, I definitely went to school with. Sometimes I remember them. Sometimes I don't. And I'm like, okay, what should I talk to this person about? Because uh, the last time we did anything together, had any sort of common ground, I was an entirely different person. And probably so was that person. Yeah. And, and honestly, that's, that's okay. And that's one of the things I'm, you know, approaching the end of my thirties here. And I'm rethinking the, uh, the, the old, the old line of, um, that's great. You know, no matter how long we see each other, uh, it's like no time has passed. And, mm. and I, I felt that way for a long time with you guys. And I'm starting to think like it, it does feel like time has passed and it has, and, and you guys have changed and I've changed. Um, but we've changed on the direction that, that you'd expect, <laughs> right? Like, like in like growth, maturity, um, uh, deeper perspectives. I and I, I think it makes it more interesting to talk to you guys now. Um, I, I I'm sure I'd I'd still love to talk to you guys as um, you know 16 and 17 year olds and 20 year olds. Sure. Um, but but I, I we we can put so much more experience behind our conversations now. Um, and yeah, I just I, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, with with a lot of that, you roll the dice and say, is this person going to be uh someone that i have common ground with we we have shared interests um that that has a perspective that uh, is still interesting do they care do they want to talk and i i appreciate that with you guys the answer is always yes oh sure yeah definitely with both of you um i'm i always look forward to being able to talk to you and and a lot of times i I talk to you because it's a catharsis for me it brings me back and it, it it not only brings me back to who I was before, but also provides me with um, kind of that that therapeutic ear because I know that you guys aren't going to judge me for how I feel, which is something that I think is, is super important for friends. Um, to all the listeners out there, if you have friends that judge you for who you are, they're probably not good friends of yours. But I don't, <laughs> it doesn't mean just drop them. But it just it's just like finding those people that will accept you. Uh, is super important because like with you guys both of you grew up in uh in religious households i did not and i never questioned whether you guys were going to be my friend or not just because of that like and that that's super it's it's funny because i think that's kind of rare but we found each other so it's not rare to me well and 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 on top of that it's not that we made the friendship work by avoiding the the topic of religion and spiritualism and and anything that's that's um you know outside of the safe 
zone. I, mm-hmm. I feel like our, our conversations were enriching because we, we approached those subjects and challenged each other. That we had, I mean, one of the things that I remember most, uh, both of you guys, but it, especially Earl, just a lot of those late night conversations, um, they got super philosophical, mm-hmm. super deep. And I, it, it challenged me and it gave me more perspective than I would have gotten from and anything um, in a in a church service or or a Bible class, right? Because the parameters weren't set already. Here's what Christianity believes. It was let's just let's just talk through this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, and and I think Ken, you you probably. I mean, we've had the same, we've had the exact same kind of like we we don't shy away from the philosophical or spiritual debates. We in fact we we welcome them. We want them. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of to Pat's point, too. Like, that was a, a, a huge hallmark of us growing up. I mean, I I know even as a group, like, you, me, Pat, um, Adam, um, all those other other friends of ours that we hung out with, like, that was a that was a common theme of, like, there's no taboo. You know, you can you can ask. Like, I mean, you don't have to be insulting about it. Obviously, we had some friends that were kind of, you know, they were they were inflammatory towards, you know, your belief structure at the time. Sure. And and it was like they were like, I'm, you know, you shouldn't be mad because I'm just I'm just challenging your belief. No, you're you're being a, you're being a butt about it. <laughs> you're trying to get a reaction in under the guise of I want to I want to figure this out. Um. But you know I that's something that I don't think is as common as I thought it was is that a lot of like I know a lot of groups of close friends will you often like or may once or twice get into that sort of topic area but from a lot of people I've you know talked with over the years it doesn't really seem like that's a a topic they've ever really really brought up with some of their friends you know it's just it's just kind of like that oh that's just that thing you don't discuss unless you're your friends that go to the same church well, you guys, you guys were my first, um, my first very successful relationships in my life. That that was, I mean, that's, I think that's bar none in my, in the way that I think about it. And, and that includes my immediate family as well, unfortunately. But like, uh, like, I started to treat people the way that we treated each other. And that led to me being more open with people and, and and it didn't it didn't lead to me being close-minded it led me to being like hey i don't want to judge these people for their difference in beliefs so yeah i mean religion religion is is interesting because in the white lake area um predominantly predominantly christian for the most part different different uh, definitely um types of christians in that area um, and, and a few people that I would say that were more towards the more agnostic or atheistic spectrum. I, you know, back then, I, I think I probably would have fallen into just agnostic, probably somewhere right in the middle. Um, and uh, that was that was definitely an up, a weird upbringing because my mom would bring me to different churches to her credit. Uh, and she would try to get me kind of ingrained in the culture a little bit so I could see it. And, and she always said it was because she wanted me to make an informed decision, which um I mean, I, I, I believe her in that respect. I, I don't think she was trying to, you know, just make sure that people didn't hate me. Um, <laughs> so, um, but I did go to a, a couple different churches. I went to Awana a few times. Um, of course, I just like playing dodgeball, but. Who doesn't? It's a great, great time. 
I, the the thing that annoyed me about Iwana though, especially was it was like, and I and maybe this is maybe this is the the seed of me hating to do homework and stuff like that. But they would give you a book that you would have to fill out that had like Bible verses and stuff in it, and then they'd be like, okay, if you if you do the most, then you can go down and play dodgeball or the circle game that they had down there. Like you could do that first. And I remember being like incensed by that. I was like, why do those people get to do that? Like, obviously I can do that too. And I, I was like one of the, one of the people who was just there to, to play the game. So <laughs> that's, that's the way it was, but it, I, it was, it was interesting. Um, given that you guys were both in very specific um sects of christianity did your did your parents ever bring you to any different like uh churches or anything like that i think i know the answer to this but i i'm just i'm just curious for for me um the answer was i pretty much no i'm trying to think of an exception um Mm -hmm. and my my parents (laughs) were much more um i think open-minded than my my tradition was my sect christianity was uh-huh. um that they they i, I went i belong to a very legalistic <laughs> sect um a lot of rules and and very much a feeling of superiority this is the only way this is the right way any other path is new um mm. sort of uh, mentality and while my parents signed on to the the theology of that church i think that they are a little bit more compassionate in how they saw other <laughs> other churches other sects um but with that said I, I i think that it was important to them to bring their kids in what they thought was the one true way right um mm-hmm. and even when we travel we, we'd be on vacation uh, out of state somewhere halfway across <clears throat> the country and on sunday we'd find a church that was of that uh tradition um so and, you, and, so you got you got a different church perspective a couple of times you know when you were out and about and, and, and I guess that's I mean even that you know it, different churches have different people running them so you know you can have little variations even within the individual sects I think yeah yeah but it, it's it's pretty it's a pretty strict theology that, uh-huh. that we belong to so if it was a church with that name on the door um, it, it wasn't going to vary too much okay what about uh what about you ken did you did your parents ever bring you to any different churches other than the one that you went to in montague i believe was where you went yeah um I, no actually i'm trying to unracking my brain i think the, like the closest i got kind of talking to past point um was like on vacation but again it, it's you know i am roman catholic you know it's very cookie cutter um so you don't you do get some variation in like how the sermon's delivered maybe but you're not it's mostly going to be the same same flavor you know um i think the closest i ever got was like some of some of our groups of friends when you get little if you know spending the night on the weekend um and their family goes to church and you weren't going to leave their house until after church (laughs) then you went to church with them so i did have a little bit of that um and then i think uh in sunday school which this is kind of like a a core memory of mine i guess is uh, one of our sunday school teachers was uh jared's dad for for a brief period oh okay cool 
this stayed with me because I think he one of the sections he we actually he went through other religions and he I think he was of the belief that you need to choose this for you to just sit here and be you know fed this and you to like forced to accept it's not you know I mean it was like the bare minimum because of course we're at Sunday school but like he did kind of he 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 did the 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 large bullet points and he was like you know these are other philosophies and other theologies so i was very thankful for that it's interesting because i mean that's when you're in a uh when you're in a religion that's kind of hardcore uh and and the the belief is that this is the one and there's no there's no uh any sort of wiggle room whatsoever you have to be within um it's interesting because to kind of expound upon that point, I spent a good amount of time with both of your families. And my guess is, and, and maybe they didn't, but my guess is that they knew that I was not a church-going person. Pat, I think that's probably true. Ken, I, and, um, my guess is that they knew that I was not someone who went to church on a regular occasion. Yeah, no, um, I, I remember um, <laughs> specifically telling them at one point, because they had asked, um, you know, it, there's always a push, at least in our church, to invite your friends. Uh, you know, uh, re- recruiting members. Um, and uh, I remember at one point I told my parents that you were agnostic. I, and actually, you were the reason I knew what that word meant. Uh, I was <laughs> probably too young to say that to my parents. So I was like, <laughs> and, and there was a, a moment where they were taken back, but I, I think that they um, they understood and respected that, that as as <clears throat> belief. Um, and I mean, I at least from my perspective, I, I don't think they ever looked at you any different after knowing that no they never treated they never treated me with any sort of disdain or anything not not openly at least and i didn't get a sense of that too and i was usually pretty good at kind of getting a sense of how people felt about me um and and ken your your parents too that guy they were always super duper welcoming they were always super duper loving and i it's interesting because the thought process behind being in a religion and then saying this is the only way that you can believe i i think that that's that thought process does hurt us over time as a people because it, it promotes isolationism, at least in a certain respect. But the 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 process of being welcoming and loving to people, even if even if I did teach their little kid what agnosticism was, uh, and it's it's probably that I looked up that word and I was like, oh yeah, that kind of fits with me because I, I didn't I didn't identify myself as anything for a while, right? Because I didn't know what I was. Um, I didn't have a label to put on myself and it wasn't until I looked at it where I was like, oh yeah, that's probably, that's probably the, if you wanted to put a label on my belief system, that would be what I am. Now, at this point, I would say I'm probably still agnostic, but I'm definitely more of a theist at this point or very close to it just because of certain things that have happened. That's a little bit of a teaser. Maybe next time we can kind of get into that because that's, (laughs) there was a, there was a major change that happened in my life that changed me from being uh, about as close to an atheist as you could be to uh, to almost the exact other side. I just don't have I don't have a uh, I don't have a specific religion or a label to put on it. I'm just I'm different at this point. Different, different than what I was. Would you be surprised to to know that there was a point? It's probably when we were teenagers. Probably like 14, 15, 16. I feel like that would have been the mark. Um, where I thought, um, I, not that I thought, but I, I wanted to 
uh, convert you. Mm. Yeah, like, I mean, like, I guess, I guess that kind of makes sense. It, it and it, it's 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 it sounds so weird to say that out loud. Um, <laughs> but like mm-hmm. that, that was my goal. Was like, man, this guy would be great. He'd be on fire. He'd be a, a great <laughs> evangelist. Uh, he he'd bring in this this deep thinking and philosophy to church that's pretty set in its traditions um he'd be on fire for god and and i mean a lot of it was just echoing um what i had been thrilled into right Mm -hmm. um and especially at that age you're you're doing um all these events that are made to excite youth right Uh, and and ken you probably had a similar experience where it was about getting out there and being a light in this world and what that meant was get your friends to come to church interesting uh, yeah, uh, mine took a weird turn though, uh, with religion, and I, for a while I was kind of like that, and then um, there was a couple of there was a couple incidences with some like youth retreats that left a really bad taste in my mouth, which kind of started the seed of my religious journey. So and, and, kinda... and to my and to my knowledge, Ken, just to. Just so that people aren't reading the subtext on that. I don't think anybody sexually molested you at all, right? No, nobody. Okay, I didn't think so. <laughs> no, it was just a, <laughs> it was just a very, like, it was um, a, the treatment of others. Because you did um, talk about a bad taste in your mouth and you talk about seeds. I just want to make sure oh, we are come all on. Clear. I'm just saying, <laughs> I, yeah, well, kinda, people I, are I reading kinda, between the lines there, okay? Kinda, people are going to do it. He said he's Catholic, Sorry about so that. I just want to be careful. low-hanging fruit. <laughs> Oh, um, but yeah, I went through I went through a phase where I was like, yeah, you know, you know, we want you want to get the word out there and you want to you want to help people because right when you're when you're younger they're like, yeah, this this is how you get saved, you know, this is your soul. You want people to be on the right righteous path, and that all sounded great, but um, I don't know. It, I know it was towards the end of CCD for Catholics. It was um, right around the fifteen to seventeen year years like right around in there i don't i don't quite remember when it was but i definitely remember going there and it just it started that process of me kind of taking a critical eye to organized religion and i didn't realize it then because even i went through college and i was still like volunteering at the church and doing community services through the church um but it was like baby steps of watching those interactions and then um, trying out other religions and going to other churches and um, seeing a pattern emerge with some of it. I'm still like very devout, but in a way I've just kind of distanced myself or, or kind of put some space between me and organized religion. And, and I can, I can understand that. I mean, when you, when you are yourself going to these events, you're going to churches, you're going to the events for the churches, you're going out and about in the community, um, you are under an umbrella, right? And and that umbrella, uh, you can be yourself no matter what under that umbrella, right? Um, but you are ultimately promoting the umbrella. And when the umbrella itself has holes in it or tears in it, and you got all these different issues and you're starting to look at it objectively, which unfortunately for a lot of people that are indoctrinated in religions, they're taught not to look at the things that are bad, right? I honestly think this is one of the problems with the United States and maybe with a lot of countries. 
uh, when it comes to like patriotism and things like that is we we should be looking at the things that are broken in our system, right? Whether it be religion, whether it be politics or government or whatever, we should be looking at that. That doesn't mean that we're necessarily taking away from what that thing is, whether it be the religion itself or the United States, but we should acknowledge that there are things that we can do better, right? Um, I don't want this to be like a super duper soapbox because I was enjoying the, the direction we were going on that. But I think it's I honestly think it's a parallel. I, I don't know how you guys feel about that. I think we should always be looking to do things better. Um, when it comes to religion, however, you're talking about especially well, really with with any world religion, you're talking about adhering to a belief that was rooted thousands of years ago. Uh-huh. Right. And And so. Uh, progressivism I mean that's what you're talking about right getting better each day that's that's progressivism um, is it, it has a threatening um, sort of a line to a lot of these religions now there are progressive sects within probably every major world religion mm-hmm. um, and there are ways to to kind of circle that square it's how do we take these principles and apply them in a modern world and I, I think that's a good way to look at it in, in most ways, uh, but then there are your purists and your fundamentalists who uh, are really offended and uncomfortable by by just that notion that how could I do something better when the revelation was handed to us perfectly by a deity? <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. It, it, it and and unfortunately, you know, when you look back at the history of the things uh, of, of of religions in general and things like that, like we've. We need to be better students of history, right? We need we need to look at how things have changed over the ages. And man, it's tough because I, I understand that thought process because it's a like you're told at a certain point in your life when you accept, when you accept the religion that you're you're gonna be a part of, part of your peace of mind, part of your identity becomes an acceptance of what you're being told by the pastor or whoever the person is that's giving you this information right especially if you're in a in an organized religion now when you're when you're by yourself and you're reading the bible or you're reading any other holy text you're kind of left up to interpreting the situation a little bit differently but when you're told it like this is what it is i get that because someone who was told that at five years old and now they're 65 and they're getting closer to the end of their life, I understand why they don't want to change. I totally get that. It's just that my hope would be at some point that person would go, oh, we've been changing all along. We've, we've always been changing our beliefs. We've always been re- reevaluating how we believe. And that it, the human mind does that whether or not you want, want it to or not. You can just shut that. You can shut that voice up in your head if you want. Right. That voice, is, that voice honest. is still talking. Yeah. <laughs> Um, interestingly, uh, I'll give you guys a little bit of a, of a little thing that I don't think I've ever told anybody before. Um, when I was a, when I was a agnostic young youth, uh, and a teenager, um, even though I wasn't a, uh, someone who believed at all in, in any sort of creator God or anything like that. Um, I remember, especially with things that I thought were taboo. Um, so like, you know, reading a Playboy or something. Uh, I remember making like little packs with the God, with God, like in my mind. 
I was like, okay, I'm just going to read a Playboy once and you're not going to smite me, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I would do that in my mind. I would never do it out loud, but because I knew it was taboo and I knew how my mom felt, especially about like what would be considered to her pornography. I don't necessarily think Playboy is pornography, but you know what I'm saying, right? It's the articles, right? No, dude, right. I was not. I would never read the articles. Dude. I'm reading it for the intellectual enrichment. No, nah, dude, I was there for I was there for the TNA. I always was, and um, <clears throat> very early on, by the way, because when my mom and dad got uh, divorced, my dad was not bashful about leaving pornography around, and I mean more hardcore than that too. Um, though it took me a while to find the other stuff. Um, <laughs> I don't know. You guys were over at my probably over at my dad's place a few times, and it was out in the open. Do you remember that? Uh, you know, not actively, but now that you mention it, I, I do remember seeing it on like like a bedside table or um, a coffee table or something. Uh, yeah, but I, I don't remember it very often. I think maybe once or twice. Well, I thought I thought of it as a like I said, a very taboo thing, um, and and I think it more had to do with my mom, um, just because I kind of knew her thoughts on it, and I, and I just remember having those conversations with God in my head, like hey just don't like don't screw with me if i'm gonna do this like and, and i never i never stopped i would always say like okay god like i'm just gonna do it this once and then the next week i'd be like okay here it is again i'm gonna go check out the playboy again and sneak out at night i'd wait until my dad was you know passed out drunk and my, my sister was asleep on the top bunk and i'd just like sneak out in the other room and grab a playboy and just read through it um, see you you would have made a very good christian Yes. <laughs> why dude you, you would have you fit right in because see i just i had to sneak out to the basement and then um eventually out to the pole barn the, 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 the same urges yep. yeah you don't remember the pole barn that was i do remember the pole barn, the pole barn but I, now now i am remembering that you said that there was uh your dad's stash out there yeah my dad's stash my dad only had playboy yeah as far as i remember we only had playboys boxes of that stuff <laughs> hey ken, ken ken can i come over <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, you know uh, and, oh, and just making those 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 little packs those little justifications right to to make an action okay that doesn't feel okay like god i i want to do this <laughs> i know i shouldn't uh but but uh, i'm gonna do it anyways and we're gonna we're gonna be okay right like that's that's very that is kind of built in to the system. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, yep. it's interesting because like that, that came over me very organically um, just because I was like, I don't want to be doing something that's going to offend someone. And just in case there's someone literally watching over my shoulder while I do this, like maybe you need to understand that I'm not doing it out of any sort of malicious behavior. I'm doing it purely for pleasure at this point. And, uh, and it's just, it's interesting because I honestly think that was, that ended up being probably one of the, the things that kind of fractured my, my, uh, my thought process very early on in my life where I was like, there was the taboo side of me that would come out at night when I was at my dad's. And then I, I did not acknowledge that part of me until I was that person again. And it just, uh, it kind of causes i guess in your mind kind of like almost like a split personality like and it's it's really kind of a weird way to think about it i guess yeah it's it's that that feeling of shame right yes we, we try to tuck that away mm -hmm. um, yep. and I, I i don't know kind of if you think this is a, a good thing or or 
not about Catholicism, but the concept of confession. I think there's there's a strong um, th- there's a strong historical context for that, right? Um, mm-hmm. And and it's something that we're kind of called to do, in especially the the New Testament that that uh, uh, you you share your burdens um, with with your congregation with with your fellow uh, Christians, um, and and we we never do it like. Not, not honestly it's very rare to have a group of people that you can be honest with about the things you're most shameful of because you, you're ashamed of it you don't want to talk about it um and, so, and especially in the tradition i grew up in uh it was we talked about yeah we should do that but then we all wanted to pretend like we didn't need to uh yeah. so so it it just it wasn't out in the open and we didn't have we didn't have a confession booth where could talk with some anonymity um, and and share those burdens and and uh, kind of give those up uh, and I I think that that would be a good first step. It, it is it is a really good first step. But but to your point too, Pat, and I don't know if this if you ever encountered this too, like you know it, it's it is shameful. You know you, you did something you're ashamed of, or you 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 gravitate toward something you're ashamed of. Um, and, and it's hard to it's hard to share that with the congregation but then it's also there's that other there's the other part to it too that um i think that a lot of people think of because either at one place in your life or, or not you've shared those things whether they be something you're ashamed of or something you're like it's it's a dream of yours that you're embarrassed about or just a topic that you're just really not comfortable sharing and somebody has taken that and weaponized it and beaten you with it like a stick um and I think there's that component too, especially depending upon your church dynamic too. Is there a hierarchy? Is there a very aggressive hierarchy where you're, you know, everybody is vying for a place? Um, and and you know, depending upon your community, it could be it could be much more aggressive. It could be much more subtle and 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 more open and welcoming. But unfortunately, I've experienced a lot of that. Um, aggressive cutthroat um we're vying to climb the pecking order in the church the social structure um i want to lead the youth groups i want to be the i want to be the bible study leader i want to do this and that and i want to be this head person in charge on the council yeah you you almost can't have that that true uh trust and transparency to, to have that level of accountability or, or just willingness to uh, to share the things that that you feel the most shame about um, or are most burdened with unless you have a very intimate group right yeah. this is this is where that that corporate church that you're talking about uh, does not really serve that need because uh, there's going to be social structures there's going to be statuses there's going to be um, different roles and power uh, at play that are going to get in the way of those other goals yeah and so and yeah and and like you said those they're very corporate business oriented goals where those other structures that you're talking about they just counterproductive to to meeting that growth yeah i mean it's it's interesting because it took me a long time to to recognize even that you know i had that shame and 
that I had hidden that from myself, even, you know, at different points in my life. But um, these, I mean, these topics are fantastic. We could talk, like, we could talk about this forever, um, especially the topic of religion. Uh, However, at the same time, I know we're kind of bumping up against the uh, time limits for a few of us here. So um, I appreciate both of you being on. Uh, Like always with EDK, uh, if anybody wants to be a guest on this podcast, please email me at e.cabala c-a-b-a-l-a at gmail.com or um you can always send me a message uh however you know me or however you see me um just let me know and we can set up a time and we can talk about pretty much everything so uh i appreciate you both being on do you either of you have a final word to give or final words to give thanks for uh thanks for the good combo guys uh looking forward to doing it uh in the future and thank you thank you for the chat i love always love to sit down and chat and i hope you know everybody is awesome all right have a good one see ya see ya